Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I'm so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Eliza Reynolds. Eliza is a daughter pioneer. She calls it daughtering. She's pro-daughters being active in their relationship with their mothers and teaches them how to do just that. Since the age of 15, she's been teaching at workshop centers and conferences like the Omega Institute and Emerging Women, alongside leaders four times her age. She wrote a kick-ass selling book, best-selling book, Mothering and Daughtering, Keeping Your Bonds Strong Through the Teen Years with her mother and business partner, Syl Reynolds. It's a flip book with one half for moms and one half for teen daughters. Eliza wrote The Sassy Half and published it at the age of just 22. Eliza was educated at Brown University and was trained to teach sex education by Planned Parenthood. She was a consultant for Eve Ensler's the Vagina Monologues, on her book for Teenage Girls. Eliza keeps it real. Prepare to rethink, to feel, and to trust yourself more than ever. Welcome to the podcast, Eliza. I am so delighted that we can have this conversation. Oh, thanks so much, Ursula. It's such an honor to be here. I'm so excited to dive into this conversation together. Great. So tell me what draws you to stay with this business? Because in a way, you know, you you started it, you know, 10 years ago, or, or even a little yep. longer. Um, you were 15. And, uh, you know, I'm curious about somebody that age kind of delving into work like this, and you've stayed with it this whole time. I have. Um, that's such a great question. It's been a conscious rechoosing. You know, there's so many things that we get into at the age of 15, 16, whether like me, it was a business or it was an idea of who we were going to become or what was expected of us. And then I think there comes this time where we go, does this still, does this still fit for me? And for me, that happened, um, just as I was finishing college, you know, I'd been teaching workshops with my mom for 10 years. They've been really successful. We'd written a book together. And a few years ago, I mean, I'm 26 now I went, heck, okay, is this what I really want to do? And um, I tried a few other things. I went and worked a nine to five job. Um, I uh, went and did volunteer work. I went and worked in NGOs. And everything kept leading me back to this, to being an entrepreneur who could make my own time and to be part of a business that was truly of service, as you said, was making an impact. And everywhere I saw there was such a demand for work with mothers and daughters and specifically in the preteen and teen years, there's such an old story about the mothers, mothers and daughters during the teen years, which is pretty much goes, well, inevitably you're going to lose each other during the teen years. Right. You know, your daughter's going to reject you. She, not only is she going to think you're uncool, but she's not going to want to talk to you. Um, and then maybe 
one day, if you're lucky, when she's an, she's an adult, she'll actually want to hang out with you again. And there was this myth of normalized disconnect and pain, really, because there's so much pain in losing this connection with someone that you've really depended on, you know, for so long during when you were younger. And so there has been such a huge demand for this. Um, it, I, I couldn't ignore it. You know, the first workshop we ever offered at the Omega Institute when I was 15, um, sold out in two days and wow. we had capped it at 60 people. And gosh, we, we were no names. I mean, like it wasn't like they were going, Oh, Syl and Eliza Reynolds, because <laughs> you know, we were, we were figuring it out as we went, we were passionate about it. And it was so clear we were making an impact. So that's one piece for me is that, um, my heart just came alive knowing and, and witnessing that there was such a need and that I could offer these tools and this space for a new story to be written by all of us together, that, that actually it was normal for us to stay connected, but just for our relationship to evolve and for us to connect in a different way. And that not only does a mother want that, but a daughter so yearns for her mother to have her back, to see her and to support her no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're now moving into this new realm. I know in May you're going to be giving a workshop with adult yes. daughters. Yeah, adult mothers and daughters. Here we come. Um, it's it's been brewing, and what we've been saying for years because it's so what we believe is, hey, we're in the we're in the middle of living the work. We'll let you know when we're <laughs> when we're ready to offer space to teach about it. So right. I'm 26, and uh, we've got some good gold gleaned from um, a tough you know, a few years, whether it was, I really struggled with, with being in college in a lot of ways. I had some depression, you know, some different anxiety stuff, you know, my parents got divorced. Like we've really been through the, the thick of, of living real life as, you know, adult mother, daughter. And so we're really excited to be offering a new step, um, of, of our work. And, and really also the last piece I want to add about, about consciously rechoosing this work after 10 years was, by some awesome weird luck, my mom and I are great business partners. <laughs> so it's not just um, that the work is so impactful and just you know makes my heart sing. It's also that really consciously we've built a business structure that um, works for us as uh, mother daughter. It works for us um, and really has to have a lot of good boundaries and a lot of. Um, self-care practices and communication practices that are very intentional or else it wouldn't work. And so it's, it's, um, it's an active experiment in here that we're delighted to say is going quite well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I've seen the two of you in action working together in a business Mm. kind of situation with uh, some coaching work we did together. And I know that you really, uh, there's a great deal of mutual respect in that. And that's not, not a given in a, in a, even in a business relationship and in a mother daughter relationship, especially it adds another dimension to it for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to be all out myself and that I'm like, I'm, I'm the logical one of the pair. I'm like, where are my to do lists? What did I get <laughs> done today? What systems are going to maximize my business? I really, I, I mean, I am the CEO of our business at 26 and uh, it's because I have an, I have a brain that really works well with online business. And so for me, it's been also a really big practice of um, how can I slow down and value the extraordinary gifts that my mother brings to the table? I mean, not only her wisdom of experience, but also her intuition and her emotional intelligence and her 
a really nuanced and attuned ways of relating to people. And it, I really feel like as her business partner, it's also on me to step up and say, I see that and I value that. And I'm also going to walk the walk of that balance and not just go, okay, can we speed this meeting up? Because our to-do list is running a little bit behind. It's, <laughs> it's really like, how can I dance that dance as her business partner um, and really value what I see as these extraordinary strengths that she brings to the table. Um, and it's a different way of doing business. And it's been a really good stretching experience for me in valuing that in her. I also value it more in myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, as you were describing your mother, I was thinking that you have, <laughs> you also have those things in, yeah. in great quantity. So totally. I mean, it's great that you are seeing that as an opportunity for growth and stretching yourself. It's, you know, it's easy for those of us that go into sometimes go into left brain mode to kind of step out of that yeah. and really expand beyond that. So that's, that's great. I, and I love what you said about conscious rechoosing because mm. I think it's something that all of us as entrepreneurs were constantly dealing with that through the course of a business because a business shifts and changes and you're having to recommit to it repeatedly in order to stay with it, or you choose to do something else. So I I love the way that you spoke about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think as entrepreneurs, especially in this emerging field of, you know, online entrepreneurship, etc., we're looking around and going, okay, who are, who are our role models? Who's doing stuff that, that we think is really cool, that excites us, that seems effective? Okay, let me try a little bit of that. And then along the process, we're going to learn what works for us and doesn't work for us because we're a unique individual and our business in some ways is, is as unique as we are. You know, there are the tried and true models for success. And yet, fortunately or unfortunately, what I've learned is that there's this ongoing process as someone who runs a business, my own business of consciously rechoosing and going, okay, I tried this for six months. Crap. It totally does not feel good. (laughs) Damn it. I put so much energy into this. Okay. How can I, how can I shift this, this slightly so that, um, so that it really feels in alignment with me and is effective for my audience. So I think there is this constant flexibility that's required of us. It's asked of us as entrepreneurs, you know, like for example, something as, uh, simple as simple or not so simple as like, social media management, you know, for a while I had, uh, assistants helping me with that content and helping me manage it because gosh, it was so time consuming for me. And then even though that sound seemed, you know, and it worked for many other people as wow, that's such a smart fix, you know, to have that delegated mm-hmm. for me, it, it wasn't working. It just wasn't feeling in alignment. And I was, I was building a relationship with my growing audience. And so I went back and said, okay, I'm going to put this many hours a week in to manage it. So it was like this conscious rechoosing of like, all right, this is going to be a big piece of work for my business. However, like it actually feels really good to set that time aside. So whether it's the rechoosing of a whole business or the rechoosing of a little part of a business, sometimes I think we have to slow down, really feel into the decision and say, okay, I'm showing up really as a, as a present adult in this moment. And how can I take responsibility for choosing what's right for me and what's right for my business? I really agree with you. And I, I, I so think it's important that you spoke about responsibility because it's something that I think is an integral part of being an entrepreneur, that you're taking responsibility for 
so many things on a different level when you become an entrepreneur because you're yeah. you're creating this whole entity, this whole environment for people to interact with you in a way that's going to benefit them with whatever the value is of what you offer. And it's there's so many conscious decisions that go into that. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that I think goes into that, whether we consciously or unconsciously choose it, is the values that you bring to your business. It's something that I speak about a lot around this topic of impact because I feel that values really inform the impact that you have and that you want to have. Could you talk a little bit about how your values have come into play, what they are and, and how they show up in your business? Yeah. Well, oh, so many. When we were first sitting down to write our um, business plan, we really we wrote we wrote down our values first. We wrote down what do we want, you know, mothering and daughtering to be based on. And um, one of the biggest ones for me is, um, you know, what I'll call community or inclusivity, which is that we we work with. Uh, pairs and communities of mothers and daughters. And so what that meant for me is how do I create a business that actively honors uh, different viewpoints? And whether that's my mother's or mine, whether um, that is when I sit in a circle with mothers and daughters that I work with, um, how do I go, okay, let me step outside of this like guru teacher model. Yes, I have wisdom to share. Yes, I have lived experience and tools that I will offer. But we're all choosing to step through this doorway as individuals. And what can I learn from this, you know, this genius 12-year-old sitting across from me? I mean, I work with preteens and teens. So is how can I not pat them on the head and go, oh, you cute little smart alecky thing. How <laughs> how adorable of you, how feisty. Instead go. Uh, though they are adorable sometimes, that's true. <laughs> um, but how can I also go, wow, when we gather together, the the sum is greater than the individual parts. Mm -hmm. And mothering and daughter is one of the core values for me. And that also stretches me. It's like, right, how can I um, get outside of the safety of being the expert, you know, which is a safe place, I think, for a lot of us. Yes, it's necessary, of course, to establish like, yeah, I got something to say here. You know, I, I have authority on this. I have weight when, when I talk about this. I know what I'm talking about. And I do. And how can I step out of that comfort place and go, how are we um, building this together? How are um, we all showing up in that 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 aspect is essential. So I'd say community is one piece. Um, another piece is that um, balance, you know, mothering and daughtering. We're not, we set it up very intentionally. It's one of the reasons we actually got on to, into online entrepreneurship is how can we build a business where we are not sacrificing our health, our body, our stress level mm -hmm. um, for the supposed greater good. And I think that's a common pitfall. And it's certainly a struggle, ongoing struggle for me um, is I want to have an impact. I want to do good work. And the old model of that I was given was push harder. Um, you know, the more time and energy you give, the more impact you're going to have versus when I am in balance, when I'm giving from overflowing rather than giving from empty, um, I'm going to have a greater impact. People, not only in what I say or write or offer or teach, but that people are going to feel it. You know, people can feel the energy, the vitality with which you show up in your body 
um, in your energy, in your presence. And um, that's a really a key value for us at Mothering and Daughtering. And it, not only does it impact, you know, the hours I let myself work and my scheduling of my agenda, et cetera, but also, um, you know, my mom and I, we have, not only do we have, you know, budgeting meetings every week and, you know, we're, we're, we have our assistants, but we're really a two team business. We're a two person business. Um, we also have what we call our priorities meeting or our sacred priorities meeting every Monday. And the first question we ask is what are your body symptoms, which mm-hmm. is, um, are you anxious or, you know, do you have any pain in your body? Like, what are you, what's your body telling you? And then from there we go, okay, so based on what your body symptoms are, what do you have to give this week? And it's this radical idea, totally radical. Like it is scary and revolutionary. Like the idea that what if what your body could give this week was actually what you, the high for the highest good, what you were meant to give to your business this week instead of, okay, I've got to push my body. What if the body was a compass for you? And so, um, we really go, okay, well, you have, you're feeling really good and really like high energy. Awesome. Okay. So let's look at then what our priorities are this week based on what your body has to give. If not, you know, for me, um, and here's the, my ever getting real part. It's like, if I got my period that week. I am going to chill out. Um, and that means radically going, okay, I'm not working for the next three days. And that is terrifying to me usually to mm-hmm. go, my business is going to collapse if I don't work for two days is, is the mental story um, versus going, all right, I need, what are the essential tasks I need to do over the next three days and how can I radically slow down so that I can then have more to give the following week? Well, and and so, it is a yeah. radical perspective because we, we and, and you mentioned this too, that when you're focused on doing work that's that you know is valuable, that you know has impact, it's easy to get off track and really not take care of ourselves. And, uh, you know, that level of vitality that you need to really do this work is so valuable to maintain. So it's a radical thing to say, I'm not going to work today or this week. It's, It's kind of a wild shift from the, you know, sort of work ethic, entrepreneur working 24 seven kind of thing. Yep. How, how do you manage that kind of internally when you hear that voice of I should be pushing harder? How do you mm. how do you respond to that or try to honor what you know, your oh. body's telling you? It's about bringing in another voice. <laughs> it's about bringing in for me, um, a voice of love. And, uh, this circles right back to the mother daughter stuff, because for me, it's bringing in a voice of a kind inner mother, what we sometimes call in our work, a positive inner mother voice. It's that voice that goes, Oh honey, Oh, are you tired? You need to rest. I think you need to put your feet up. Do you want some soup? You know, it's this loving kind voice, this voice of unconditional love. And it's a voice to nurture in myself, you know, and in ourselves. It's, it's sometimes some of us find it immediately there. And some of us kind of have to go after it, whether it's maybe for you, it's the voice of um, you really your own mother. Sometimes, you know, I have a really positive relationship with my mom. And I, I draw on a lot of the ways she cared for me as a kid and go, okay, how can I show up for myself in that way? How can I be my own loving boundary against this really nasty voice, you know, this kind of authoritarian dictator voice inside me that says, no, you have to, you're not enough. You have to, you have to prove it. You have to work hard for the love versus, 
oh, honey, rest in it. You're enough. And for others, it's going to be um, looking at storybook characters, at movies. Really, this is the archetypal world of like, where is a, um, a mother? Maybe it's a book you read when you were little where you just like, oh, you could you just you could feel that character. You just like wanted that to be your mother. You wanted that person to be real. And actually, how can you take, bring that archetypal energy in? You know. So whether it's like sometimes I think of I loved Little Women when I was little right. and that book and great so, book. <laughs> right, the mother there. You know. And so I would imagine this mother who's just caring for all of her daughters and pouring love into them. Okay, like how can I be that energy for myself? And so to me, it it is this internal dance. And as entrepreneurs, we're so often in our heads. Great. So it's like how can we uh, bring in other casts of characters to actively bring that energy into our lives and work with that kind inner voice? Um, Because at the end of the day, it's up to us to get between that voice. You know, um, a a coach is going to be really helpful. A therapist might be really helpful. And it's up to us to also just to, to invite in other voices and other ways of relating to ourselves. I love that you introduced the idea of an archetypal energy. If it's not something that you've necessarily had a lot of in a personal experience, you can still draw on whatever is out there as a, yeah, as a great kind of role model in a sense of what might be possible. Yeah. Is, are there other ways that you manage your own self care other than, I mean, you've talked about a few things of, of your sacred priorities meeting every week and, trying to listen to the voice of love? Are there other things that you do regularly that you find supports your ability to have impact on a regular basis? Yeah. When in doubt, get outside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I often, I actually have a list of um, self-care activities because sometimes when I am in stress brain, I can't think of what what can I do to slow down? What can I do to, to feel good, to take care of myself? And so I have a list. And, uh, first thing on the list is take three deep breaths. (laughs) And sometimes it's just that methodical to get myself into remembering, to get myself into my parasympathetic nervous system rather than in fight or flighty, which I can kind of get when I get into a push, push stress place. And so, um, take three deep breaths and then get outside. And, uh, whether that's country or city, I've, I've lived and worked from both places. I'm in the country right now, but I was in New York City in the West Village and there is there is no quiet places really there. <laughs> right. So, but even then it was walk to a park, sit at the base of a tree or look up at the sky. Um, notice other pe- people walking by, you know. Uh, just like starting to slow down and just be in the present moment around me and nature does that so easily for me. I know I notice that when I walk outside, even if it's just a 5-minute walk around the corner, I start to realize in such a satisfying way how small I am (laughs) and what felt like the end of the world when Entrepore wasn't working and it almost sent the (laughs) wrong message and, you know, my business is the be all and end all or whatever my emotional stressor is of the day with a friend or with my partner when I go outside and I'm like, right, look at all of us, millions of millions of people on this earth, like trying to figure it out, trying to figure out what love means, trying to figure it all, you know, what purpose and impact and how do we make money and how do we support people we love? Like, okay, like it's all going to be okay. And there's something so reassuring about being small sometimes Mm. for me. Um, Yeah, it really brings me home. 
puts things into perspective and yeah 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 well i'm i'm going to shift gears for a moment and just um kind of ask you about something that um you know you've you may have learned over the the time that you've been an entrepreneur and it's about using your time and energy and how you found that is best used and a kind of a related question and and you can go with either or both is what has been so important to you that you've been willing to struggle for it i i think we sometimes have this vision of Oh, you know, there's this successful entrepreneur and that yeah. you know, the path is smooth. They've never run into any sort of, you know, obstacle or, or problem along the way. And, and the truth is that there's a lot of hard work that goes into being an entrepreneur and there's yeah. a struggle at times. So could you talk a little bit about your experience of that in relationship to your time and energy and, and what's been so valuable for you? Yeah. Well. <clears throat> Let's go right for the struggle. I'm all about that. (laughs) Where can we be more real with each other about what's hurting and what's working at the same time? Um, You know, the first thing that comes to mind for me is really my relationship with my mom. And I think this is really applicable because it's about the relationships we have with people we do business with. Um, whether it's you have a virtual assistant or an accountant or a business partner, um, or really even a client you really love who you've worked with for a while. We, we um, are creatures of attachment. Um, relationships matter. And relationships are, in my experience, hard work. They, <laughs> um, they bring delight. They bring joy. And um, my relationship with my mother, I... I sometimes think about it as one of the greatest love stories ever told. <laughs> and I think we've got to reclaim love stories for, for other relationships, whether it's a friendship or uh, even a business relationship. There is different kinds of love and support and connection. And um, we have fought so hard to find a way of relating that was based on truth and connection. You know, my mother and her relationship with her mother was really difficult. It was, um, it was tense. Um, it, uh, they really lost each other during the teenage years and beyond, and they weren't really able for a long time to find each other again, to connect. And there was so much pain in that from my mom that when she had a daughter, she went, Oh crap, I've got to do this one totally differently. And, um, I think this is so true for many of us because, you know, whether you work with a, with a family member or not, and you know, many people don't, there is a fundamental way of relating that we learn in our family of origin, you know, uh, whether certain emotions are safe or not safe, you know, whether, uh, the whole family is that don't get angry because, <laughs> right. you know, it's more enlightened to not be angry. <laughs> um, and that was one that was certainly hard for me. We didn't do anger very much growing up. So knowing how to experience an emotion like, Whoa, this is not working in my business. And then how do I effectively go to my mother who is my business partner or to, you know, um, to my virtual assistant and go, uh, you didn't deliver on these things. <laughs> You know, and inside there, you know, it was really actually an emotional issue for me because it was like, 
I'm feeling so angry. I feel betrayed. I feel like maybe, but did I, did I mess it up? Did I not communicate clearly? Okay. How do I show up and have a responsible, authentic boundary conversation with this person who I'm running a business with? And so, um, what I've really struggled for in my business and I continue to struggle with, to be honest, is our relationships with people. Um, you know, and for me and my mom, a lot of it has to do with boundaries and really making, really being clear about when we're having business conversations, when we're not having business conversations about, um, you know, how we can support each other, but also do our own work in our business. And, um, I have really had to check myself a lot and it's something, you know, that I, that I actively work with. I mean, we, we have, um, a phenomenal, um, like family therapist we go see actually as support for our business mm -hmm. <laughs> where every two weeks we, um, hash out whatever needs to be hashed out. We worked out, we work out better boundaries. We work out how to talk to programmers for upcoming workshops, you know, like whatever it is, these relationships that you can project so much onto. For me, there is this ongoing struggle of, okay, how do I, know my own value and my own worth and stand in that and then have really authentic, meaningful conversations with people that I work with um, while being true to myself. Yeah. And I, I think that is often so challenging for women in particular. And I, yeah. I, I don't know that we have to kind of classify it that way, but I think it's a challenge because culturally anger is not okay. It's not a yeah. acceptable emotion for women to demonstrate. And in a business setting, it's often seen as, you know, it's perceived very negatively, but, and also yeah. for, for you as the entrepreneur, there's a risk there. I think we, as women, we value relationships and to risk that, really comes into play or it can feel like varying degrees of risk depending on what your experience is. Do you experience it that way or is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I have, I mean, I have really had to check myself about what I was taught about basically being a bitch, you know, right. that if I say what I say, what I mean and say what I want and say what's not working for me in a direct way, um, I'm going to be quote unquote punished for it. You know, there'll be, you know, people won't want to connect with me or work with me. And so, uh, what I've really found is it actually makes me, um, really selective about who I work with mm -hmm. because I want to be able to be direct. And, um, I've really gathered around me an awesome team where we're real with each other and we're kind with each other. And so how can I bring my realness and my kindness? And, um, it's also meant that I've ended certain relationships with somebody who, if I couldn't feel, um, relaxed being, you know, being authentic, also being kind, um, it wasn't going to be the right way moving forward. And I've had to let go of certain relationships with potential business partners, um, having to have faith, having to trust that like, you know what, there's going to be someone else who's a better fit for working with me. And if I'm being asked to fit in a box, that's not true to me that being asked to fit into an old outdated model of what it means to be a woman in business here, then, um, then, you know, this relationship isn't going to work for me. And I think there's one of two ways to go with that. Either you go, okay, no, thank you. I'm going to move on and find a better fit. Or you go, okay, if this feels, you know, 
actually has to kind of feel kind of fun. It's like, I'm going to stretch their limited worldview. I'm going <laughs> to like, I'm going to invite them to think about it differently. But I think the key there is it has to feel not like suffering, but kind of like a fun game. Yeah. Like, all right, I'm not taking this personally. And I think there's an opportunity here. And this, this is actually kind of, kind of fun. It's kind of a delight to get to play this and, and invite them to see that I am kind, I am strong, I am funny. And I, I am also a really good businesswoman. And if you can see me for all of those things, and I think you can, then we're going to have a great working relationship. And that's a wonderful invitation for a deeper kind of connection than you have when you're pretending something's going well and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. yeah. And, and I mean, how much more rich is your day-to-day work when you can be authentic and real with each other? But it also comes out in the work that you do. I mean, in your work in particular, but I think in any work, I think it comes out in ways where your vital energy is not being hampered or interfered with. Yes. That you're allowing it to play out however it plays out and you, you know, keep your values in place and move forward and know that some people are going to choose to want to do that at a particular time and others are not. Yeah. You know, I think it goes hand in hand also with the great relief of knowing that you're not for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you serve who you serve and you work with who you work with. And uh, there, you know, I'm sure many people listening and, and you as well have probably heard of there was, you know, the research that was done. I remember when I took one of my first public speaking classes back in college and the professor one of the first things she said was about the study where um, they interviewed men and women who were um, going to give a business presentation. And they said, what's your, what's your top goal? And men said, well, to be effective, you know, I want to convey my message. I want people to hear it. I want them to do what I'm telling them to do in this presentation. Mm -hmm. And the women had two goals. One was to be effective. And the other one was to be liked. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so often we can get ourselves stuck in that, like, oh gosh, what if being effective gets in the way of being liked? Mm. Ouch. Yeah. And there's this nice girl that that so many of us are trying to heal. It's and it's the difference. Like, so we can still be kind. We can still be kind, good people. But being kind doesn't mean being nice and making everybody happy and non-threatened by us. And, right. you know, if someone feels threatened by you, usually, unless you are actually being threatening, which hopefully we aren't being, you know, like physically threatening here, right. um, it's on them, you know? And so where can we hand that back to them and uh, in a good way, kind of keep our own blinders on and move forward from a kind and authentic place? Yeah. And that's a great distinction, the kind, being kind versus being nice, where... Uh, you're you're still being compassionate and clear at the same yeah, time. I mean, being kind feels so good. If you think about what being kind feels like in your body, this can be such a simple tool. It's like I notice that like I get this warmth in my shoulders, mm. you know, and um I feel I feel lighter, but I also feel like more grounded and more present. It feels so good to me. It's medicine to me to be kind and nice actually kind of feels like putting a lid down on myself. Like it feels like getting smaller. Like there's this clamping energy to right. being nice all of the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, I come back to the body a lot. What are my body's cues? Um, and my body can often tell me if I'm in the practice of paying attention to it, um, where I'm at, where I'm in alignment and where I'm not. Well, I, I think that 
listening to your, I mean, I often call it the inner voice, but it's also yeah. the body talking. So it's a, it's really a great combination of what tells you you're on the right track or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to loop back to this before we uh, kind of wrap up, because I think it's a really important question. And I, I, I want to I want people to hear what is meaningful for you in your business. And it's around the, the, what are the important ways that you think you have impact? What is so distinctive about what you do in your business? Mm. There are other people doing mothering, mother-daughter work. And um, so what do you feel is, how are you affecting people? And, and why do you think that that's distinctive in some way? Mm. Well, mothering and daughtering offers a new story. It offers a new possibility, a new way of being together that is based on practical, practical, workable, effective tools. And um, we see the results again and again. You know, when we practice more effective communication, when we hone our intuition, when we slow down to meet each other and connect on really what matters, we're able to let our relationship evolve. We're able to no longer be afraid of conflict. And I, so I think mothering and daughtering offers a revolutionary idea, which is that it's possible for our mother lines to heal. It's possible for mothers and daughters to not be a story of normalized disconnect and pain and suffering, which so many of us have that, whether it's, you know, shows up in our relationship to our bodies and our relationship to other women and our relationship with our partners or our business or our self-worth and our value. The mother-daughter relationship comes home to roost. And I think mothering and daughtering offers a real key, whether you have a daughter or not, um, we offer that in healing your own relationship to your to your inner mother, to your outer mother, your your actual mother living or or no longer living. Um our whole ability to savor life and to value ourselves can fundamentally change. And um, I think the other part of mothering and daughtering uh, is essential piece we offer is, is we keep it real, you know, like we're going to talk about what's working and not what working, not and what's not working, you know, no longer putting the glossy finish on the mother daughter relationship, but actually getting down to the gritty, real, beautiful, messy, art of loving another person not the beautiful sparkly mother's day card but exactly. a real relationship <laughs> a real relationship which i think we, which i think we all want whatever age we want to be in real relationship we're here to live not to pretend i agree what a great way to say that i uh I, i've been so intrigued in hearing you talk about how your business and life are so interwoven and I think that's true for many entrepreneurs, and it, I'd love to hear what kind of advice you would give to another entrepreneur who wants to have impact to really make a positive contribution. What would you share with them that might help them in, in evolving that further? Mm. Life is for you. It's It's not for anyone else. It's not for your mother or your father or for the institution that you paid a lot of money to get certified. Life is for you. 
And if it doesn't light, light you up, like if it doesn't make your fingers and toes tingle and sometimes you want to jump up and down for giddy joy or give you that deep, deep serenity of inner stillness and peace, whatever that feeling is for you, then it's not yours to give to the world. And, you know, we are best of service when we are doing that which lights us up. And you've heard people say it a million times, but it's true. When we, when we show up for ourselves first, then we're able to show up for everybody else. So life, my life really is for me. And when I share my joy with the rest of the world, that's when my work has impact. And the same, I think, is true for every single person. That is a great way to look at your work is to share your joy. I, uh, I love that as a way of <laughs> kind of looking at work. Um, Eliza, thank you so much. I, I feel like this has been a really wonderful and deep conversation about really the work that you do bringing such a new possibility and a revolutionary way of thinking about healing the mother line, as you put it. I know that's something you talk about in your book, and it's uh, yeah. such an important thread for all of us. And uh, the, the ways that you're enacting that in your business, uh, I, I think, are really inspiring and give people really great food for thought and how they might structure their businesses. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great to have this conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure, Ursula. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Head over to motheringanddaughtering.com. It's the name of our book. It's the name of our business, it's the name of our website. And um, we've got some really beautiful vlogs for you to check out on all these different topics from sex to communication to periods, <laughs> how to talk about them with your daughter and how to come to more peace with them yourself. Great. And uh yeah, I've had a look myself, and there's some really great conversations that go on there that uh, people are really finding valuable. So thank you so much again, Eliza, and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world. I so appreciate you. Mm, thank you. Ditto, Ursula. <laughs> so join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.